Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Good morning. So, uh, yeah, welcome to Mission Sunday. Our hope with that video is aware that Emmaus is growing. And one of the things is there's just life bubbling up all over the place, but aware that if you join, you're part of Guildford, maybe you don't get to see the full breadth of just life that exists in Emmaus. And so we wanted to try and show you a little bit of just what life looks like in all of its different modes and forms throughout Emmaus. Even uh, here in Guildford yesterday, uh, just up the high street from here at Holy Trinity, two people who met, a part of this church, got married in Holy Trinity, Rachel and Simon, and then just one kilometre away from there in St John's, two more people who met in Emmaus uh, got married as well, Harry and Jasmine. And so just privileged to be part of a church that's growing and there's life. And so here at Mission Sunday, the plan is that we like to uh, talk. We have these two sort of special Sundays in our church calendar. One comes in April, which is what we call Vision Sunday, where we share as a team what we feel like the Lord has been calling us to for the coming year. We take an offering, and so we'll talk about that. And then Mission Sunday comes about six months later, so September, October, where we are now. And it's a place for us to just see where we're doing, give some updates against the vision, realign with the mission, and again, bring our special offerings before the Lord. So really excited for today, lots of exciting things. But if you have a Bible, would you please turn with me to Matthew 15, verse 29. And we're going to read from one of Jesus' lesser-talked-about miracles, which um, I think is interesting, and we'll touch on why I think that is a little bit later. But this is the feeding of the 4,000, right? Not to be confused with the feeding of the 5,000. This is the feeding of the 4,000. I think it will come up on the screen. We're reading from verse 29. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the cripple made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Well, how many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were 4,000 men, besides the women and the children, after Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into a boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. And so I feel as I was preparing and praying into this morning, there's a couple of keys within this story that I think are for us as a church on Mission Sunday. But to introduce the first one, I just want to tell you a story. 
Um, so on Sundays between five and six, my wife and I, we do a very rock and roll thing. I'm sure you do it too. We get our supermarket delivery arrive, right? It's the window of the week. Give me a hands up if you're a delivery person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so five and six. But the fun thing is that we've got a little three-year-old Thea. She's the one with the blonde hair that was dancing around at the front. And for her, it's not a supermarket delivery. It's like Christmas. And so she comes and we bring in those crates, you know, the purple crates. And she'll run up to me and be like, Dad, he brought me strawberries. And I'm like, that's amazing. I mean, like, he brought my favorite ice lollies. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I put them in the basket. But she's, she's received everything as a gift. But one of the other things that they're doing at Sainsbury's at the moment, obviously some sort of marketing thing, is little hero cards. You heard about these? So, yeah, yeah, shaking of heads from all parents. So these hero cards, and I think it's something like if you spend £10, you get a pack of hero cards. And so Thea gets very excited. She doesn't know who any of the characters are, but she gets awfully excited about these packs. And so in the bottom of one of the crates was like, I don't know, like eight packs. I think we spent something like £80 on our shop. So she collected them all up, and she was like, Dad, look at these cards. So I said, while Hannah was still unloading, let's go and say thank you to the delivery man. So I like, walk Thea out to the front, and the guy's there like, know, playing on his phone or twiddling his thumbs, and you know, she comes up all earnest, and she's like, thank you for my cards. And he looks at her, and he's like, would you like some more? And he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out like the fattest watch of hero cards. Obviously from his whole thing of all the people who are like, no, I do not. I'm, you know, I'm an adult. I don't collect hero cards. He obviously just collected all of them in his pocket. And so Thea ended up just because she had said thank you, she ended up with a pack of cards, way more than she would have got just on the merit of how much we had spent. And I was kind of walking away laughing about that. And you know when you just get the Holy Spirit, like he just speaks to you. And he just felt, I just felt like God said, Adam, how's your Thanksgiving? And I was like, ah, oh, like, do you know what? In the last two years, with all the questions, all the concerns, all the pain, I'd say that spiritual discipline, that muscle of Thanksgiving, for me at least, it had grown pretty weak. But what we see in this story is that it seems that in the economy of the kingdom, thanksgiving is what always positions us for increase. It's just the way it seems to work. This miracle, actually not this one, the feeding of the 5,000, that miracle, which is very similar, is the only miracle of Jesus that all four gospel writers decided to include. It's the only one that makes its way across all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And every single one of them makes the point in saying that Jesus, when he receives this little boy's lunchbox, a few measly loaves of bread and a couple of small fish, with the vast crowd, every single writer makes the point of saying, Jesus' first reaction is to give thanks. It's to offer it up to God in thanksgiving before it's broken and used to feed the crowds. Thanksgiving is what positions us for increase. So as a team, this week, in all of our meetings, we've been starting by just going around and giving thanks. Thanks for the big stuff and the small stuff we see happening in Emmaus as elders, in core team, as the staff team, just trying to reignite this Thanksgiving because we know that that is what positions us for increase. 
And so if you had have come along to family business meeting last Saturday, I know many of you did, thank you for giving up your Saturday morning, we updated on few of the ways in which we're just so grateful for God and the favour we're seeing at Emmaus. In April, Pete gave our vision for the year. We felt that a prophet came to us and said that he feels like Emmaus is a storehouse of hope that's being given so much at the moment. And the idea is from the story of Joseph, the time is going to come where he's going to ask us to hand out in resource, in prayer, in friendship, ultimately in hope for the needy and those lacking in our communities. And we decided we were going to do this, and everyone wrote, if you were here, like A, B, C, D, E on their fingers. And they stood for action, belonging, communications, discipleship, and evangelism. And we don't have time to go into everything we're seeing, but it is amazing. And so I just wanted to pick out a few things Against belonging, which was this idea of when we, uh, when we gave the vision in April, we weren't able to gather the church back together. And we knew this year was just going to be bringing the church back together after being apart for so long. And that was belonging. Well, since then, we've checked. And since the beginning of lockdown in March 2020, we have had 315 adults and 85 young people filling Get Connected cards. Just amazing growth within the church. We knew that for our young people, the implications of COVID not being able to gather were the hardest of everyone. It's really hard to do kids' church online. Any parents would know. So we coming back in, we really wanted to prioritize them. And you would have heard a little bit about it, but we now have 90 youth on a Sunday across all of our sites and 85 of those in collectives in midweek. In the smallest kids' groups, the ones below youth, we currently have 156 kids across Emmaus in Sunday groups every week. Um, we have planted HQ, which you heard Bill talk about with Joel, in all three locations, just to bring family worship right into the heart of the church again. And someone emailed me just a couple of weeks ago, and I just wanted to read it to you. He said, by way of a very brief introduction... My family's involvement with Emmaus Road started during the first lockdown. The small village of which we were a part in Liphook wasn't able to resource anything of real substance for children and young people. And my wife and I therefore started looking for churches our kids could connect with that weren't too far from where we lived. Fast forward to today and the impact of Emmaus on our kids' lives, as well as ours, has been incredible. They've led Bible studies in their collectives, had powerful experiences of the Holy Spirit on a youth weekend away, and understood the whole idea of church in an immensely and powerful and authentic way. It's just so brilliant to see a church of people who are following him with such passion, obedience, and dedication. And that is our heart, that we would be a community that would follow him with such passion, obedience, and dedication. And then within A, we're going to show you some pictures. So A, action, was the name we gave against everything we wanted to do within the realm of social outreach this year. And so there's been all sorts happening, but I wanted to bring a few things to you. So this is the lighthouse building you were seeing in the video. It's kind of there where you see the lighthouse. Well, this building just towards the camera used to be occupied by another business, but owned by the same landlord. In lockdown, that business moved out. 
And the landlord, so impressed by the work of the lighthouse, offered us that building for free as well. And so currently the team on this next page, along with a whole load of the lighthouse team, have been renovating it. It's called number 11. And we heard that during lockdown, the government was forced to close a load of the shore start centers in the community, which is the centers that help young families and young mums uh, in need. And so the plan is that this space opening, hopefully in the beginning of December, is going to be a place for young mums, young families to come in and get the resource support they need to be able to start family life. So, so excited. That's the first one. And then secondly, this next picture is um, the Barnsbury Lighthouse. So opposite um, Ho Valley School, where our Woking congregation meets, I'll get out of the way, there is a, a building there, and we have been able to open it up, uh, and we've had all sorts going on in there. It's, that's what it looks like inside. We're currently running a whole load of things for people in the older generation, tea and cake, just to come and find family. We've also launched a youth outreach into that space. Um, just amazing, amazing things happening in there. But interestingly, that one is actually owned by Woking Council. And they came to offer it to us and said that we could have it if we could afford the rent of one pound a year. But interestingly, Woking Council likes to get their rent in quarterly instalments. So they originally asked, no joke, whether or not we could pay 25p per quarter. After a bit of ne negotiation, we were allowed to do it in one lump sum. So we got two buildings, uh, one for free and one for a pound. So much to be thankful for. And yet, even in amidst that, there's frustrations. We're still weighing on a lighthouse in Guildford. Encouraging conversations, but they still haven't come to fruition. But we know that as we give thanks for what we have in our hands, it positions us for the increase that the Lord has for us. Alpha, this week, we had about 40 guests across the region joining in, exploring faith for the first time. And so, as a church, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for what you give, your money and your resourcing to help all of this happen. But maybe in your life, like, where is something that you are needing to be thankful for? Where is the thing where, if you're honest, much like me, over the last two years, you've realized that Thanksgiving has fallen down that spiritual discipline list. And actually, the Lord might be encouraging you in your personal walk this week. It might feel like a measly lunchbox in front of a crowd. But through thanksgiving is the way that we position ourselves for the increase that God has for us. So number one, thanksgiving. Number two, compassion. There's only two, don't worry, only two keys. Here I have a question for you. So Matthew, in chapter 14, Matthew, we read about the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? In chapter 15, we read about Jesus feeding the 4,000. Now, I started thinking about that because in John, there's this verse, if we can bring it up. Jesus did many other things as well. This is the last sentence in the Gospel of John. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would have been written. One audacious thing for John to say. So why... Does Matthew repeat the same miracle twice? Like, there's so much source material. And these guys are like master storytellers, and I don't want to tell them how to do their craft. But if it, like, 
got more impressive. Like maybe it was like the 5,000 in chapter 14 and then the 20,000 or something. Chapter 15, like it built. But actually, like, don't hear me, 4,000 is still impressive, but it is less than 5,000, right? So you hear what I'm saying, I'm not questioning the canon, but you get what I'm saying. So why, why, why did Matthew feel like it was necessary to repeat such a similar story twice? Well, actually, if you follow Jesus' journey, his travels, then what happens between Matthew 14 and Matthew 15 is incredibly important. Jesus moves out of the region of Jewish territory, and he moves into a place called Decapolis. Now, Decapolis was a region known as the Ten Cities, Deca, Ten, Polis, city. And it was a region, it was ten cities that kind of united together. They had their own temple, they had their own finance, their own law. You know, it was very much a Greco-Roman Gentile region. So this is the point where Jesus has moved out of Jewish territory and he's journeying through Gentile territory. And so the crowd for the 5,000 would have been Jews, people who the disciples would have seen sitting within the covenant, within the promises of Israel. Suddenly we reach Matthew 15, and this is a crowd of Gentiles. Because the disciples, their response is interesting. Right? They've just seen Jesus feed a crowd with loaves and fish. They're suddenly in front of a crowd with loaves and fish. Like you'd think they'd get what's going to happen, but they don't. Why not? Maybe, yeah, maybe they still haven't changed their hearts. Or maybe I'd like to suggest, maybe it wasn't a question of power, but a question of compassion. Maybe it wasn't a question of whether or not Jesus could feed the Gentiles, but whether or not Jesus would feed the Gentiles. What if for the disciples, actually, it was a question of whether or not this sat within their idea of the goodness of God? Because you're never going to have faith for anything that you think sits outside of the boundaries of your awareness of the goodness of God. It wasn't a question of if Jesus could do it, but would Jesus do it? Was this good news for everyone? Was this good news for the Gentiles as well? Was the bread of life going to go everywhere? And actually, as you read the gospel of the gospels and acts, what you see is Jesus constantly questioning and forcing the disciples to overcome their political, their cultural, and their socio-economic boundaries, and increasing their paradigm of the goodness of God until eventually the whole world falls inside. We sung it today. You are good. You are good. Here's the question. Just how good do you believe God is? Is he good enough that the whole world falls inside? And even, I don't know if you notice the little detail of the scraps preaches the good news of Jesus to us. If you read the 5,000, it talks about 12 basketfuls that get left over. 12, 12 tribes of Israel, right? It's the Jesus is for all of Israel, for the whole 12 tribes. How many in this story? Seven. What's the number seven? Perfection, completeness, and wholeness. The scraps are saying that this gospel is going to be perfect and it's going to go everywhere and it's going to be complete. It's for all people. Even the scraps are preaching the good news of Jesus to us. And so, as we bring this into land, I'm going to invite Eric and Rebecca up in just a second for how we could respond to this. But I wanted to end with, I love Jesus' line. He says, 
I am unwilling to send them away. I love that. There's this like stubborn compassion in Jesus there. Like I am unwilling to send them away. When you grab the heart of Jesus and it gives birth to this compassion in you, what are you unwilling to let happen on your watch? It's my question. What are you unwilling to let happen on your watch? One thing that I love, and we're going to talk about in just a sec, that we did last year is despite all of the confusion about Christmas, will we have it, will we not have it, what will the restrictions be, will we lose it, will we be able to see our families? Still, as a church, we rose up and we gave so generously towards Christmas kindness, which was our initiative to just make sure those who had the most need at Christmas, got things, gifts, foods, prizes, fellowship on Christmas Day. There was like an unwillingness that I saw rise up in the community of Emmaus to say, not on our watch, will we just let that happen? Will we just look internally? And so today, although it's October, we're going to launch Christmas kindness again. And we're going to ask that you would Give to Christmas kindness because we see it growing. Just a sec, Eric and Rebecca are going to come up here. I'm just going to show you a video if you don't know what Christmas kindness is. But my final remarks is that Christmas kindness for us is a question of compassion. And Mission Sunday is a place where as a church we get to step back in line with the compassion at the heart of Jesus. Where we get to position our faith, our prayers, our resources, our offering, our availability to respond to that compassion that we see in the heart of Jesus. And so if you've got no idea what Christmas kindness is, don't worry, just take a look at this. people. 
So, we're here to talk about Christmas. <laughs> so, for many, um, many of us, Christmas can be one of the most special times of the year, um, full of excitement and fun and friends and family, can't it? Um, and for others, it can be one of the toughest times of the year. Um, Oh, I feel a bit emotional talking about this. So, for those people who are lonely and, you know, people come to us and they, they talk about being lonely, they talk about not having anyone else in their lives and that, the, that when they come into the lighthouse, it's like family, it's like home. But, you know, every so often we get a phone call from, a, like, a tra the travel lodge and they say can you come and clear this room because the lighthouse is the only contact that we have for this person in their life. We really are the only people in this person's life and it feels really close to home because we had one of these calls yesterday from, um, from an ICU where one of our, our, our family, one of our lighthouse family um, had died. And, uh, and we were the only people. We were the next of kin, the Lighthouse family over here is next of kin. So I just share that with you because, <laughs> you know, people really, there are people who have no one, absolutely no one. And what we do um, at Christmas time feels like a drop in the ocean. Um, but actually, um, you know, Jesus went after the one. And we go after the one. And it does make a difference. It does make a difference. But it's not just people who are lonely and isolated. Um, you know, there's people who are unwell. There are people, um, those of us struggling with mental health um, or financial crisis or um, unemployment. These are the people that we're caring for as a church. We're supporting um, relationship breakdown, um, people who've lost family. And during times of need and suffering, um, you know, we can all really find these symbols of Christmas painful, can't we? Simply painful of reminders of what isn't. And so at Emmaus Road, our heart is to, um, to reach out to those people who find Christmas a really tough time. And um, the Christmas Kindness Campaign seeks to love. It seeks to love by bringing um, just a little bit of comfort and a little bit of cheer to the lives um, of individuals and families right across Surrey. And last year during the pandemic, um, as a church, we did this and we actually touched the lives of over 8,000 people. And that's something to really give thanks for, isn't it? Thank you, Lord. Um, and, you know, the, the kinds of things that um, we, our hope is to, to, to reach hundreds and hundreds of people across Surrey and give things like um, gift parcels. So, so children who wouldn't be getting a gift on Christmas morning, who wouldn't ordinarily get that, would receive um, a gift Christmas morning to open because of what we've been able to do as a church. And care packages... Um, for adults who wouldn't have a, a present Christmas morning and food parcels for um, people who have little to eat. And we also plan to deliver hampers to places like nursing homes and to care homes as well. 
and Christmas dinners will be going out. Um, that people can, that they're already prepared and people can just pop them in the oven and make it really easy for them to be able to eat Christmas food. And um, also, we're going to be opening the doors in the, in the lighthouse building and doing a Christmas brunch where people can come in and um, join together for festivities and fun and carols and food and, and all of that. And, you know, we take great care and attention to all of the things that we do um, as a church, as, as the lighthouse. And, you know, we do things really beautifully and with great kindness. And even with the spaces that we prepare for people to come in and receive, we're so intentional about preparing ahead and preparing beautiful spaces for people because we really believe it's a prophetic statement over their lives of their worth and their significance. And we just pray that people receive that message as they come in to receive a gift or, or food or love, or kindness, a conversation, a cup of tea. So we just wanted to share that with you and over to you say nice. a bit more. Just wanted to hone in on one of the key parts of our Christmas kindness uh, thing. You know, Rebecca mentioned uh, quite a few things we do, but one of them is the children's um, gift packs that we put together. It's organized by our Jigsaw team who work with families in need throughout the year um, in collaboration with frontline agencies uh, across the county. And um, we provide at Christmas brand new gifts um, presents and pajamas and other treats for the children. And what we do is we give them to the parents so that they have the dignity of being able to wrap those gifts and give them from themselves to their children. And so uh, what we'll be doing is, like we did with Back to School in the summer, we'll be uh, hosting Christmas kindness events in all three towns uh, at the Lighthouse in Woking, here at Founders Studio in Guildford, and then a Park Church in Aldershot. Um, we'll be hosting events where the families can come in, have a bit of fun and, um, with their team, and then be given their, their packs to take away. And as I say, the parents can then wrap them and give them out on Christmas Day. And so here in Guildford, we'll be, you know, doing up founders and making it really smart. And we'd love many of you to be involved in having a really special event for that to happen on, on Saturday, the 4th of December. Um, last year, the Jigsaw team gave away 450 of these packs. And I just want to let you know, each pack costs about £25. And our hope this year is that we would be able to fund every referral we receive. We end up having to cap it at based on how much we have, but we would love to just be able to respond to every referral that we get from across Aldershot and Guildford and Woking uh, this year. Just to give you a little indicator, this week we actually launched the referral process. So we write to all those agencies and we say, you can start to refer people in. And just this week, we had 92 referrals come in from just one agency. So 92 children already. And I said last year we did 450 across the region. So there's a huge need out there. And we would love as a church to be able to respond to that generously. Um, so please, please help us to do that. 
Now, of course, if we see the multiplication of that generosity, as Adam was talking about, and we find that we have way more than we can even do, then, then we'll use those funds that you give generously towards uh, our other social action stuff, wherever the need is greatest, we'll, we'll make it stretch and last. Now, the big question you may have today is, why are you talking about Christmas in October? Um, you know, maybe closer to Christmas, I'll think about giving something. And, and we all know, don't we, that as we get right near Christmas, people get that generosity thing. They start thinking about others less fortunate and want to do something. The reason we talk about it now, this month of October is actually really significant for us. Because by the end of October, we need to have raised all the money so that we know what we have to work with. Early in November, we set our, our caps, our limits, we do all the bulk orders of items, we talk to all those frontline agencies and make all the arrangements. Everything gets sorted in early November. And by the end of November, it's basically done and dusted. And we give out those packs to the families in early December. And the reason for that is because then those families ha can have the peace of mind going into Christmas in December. It's okay. It's sorted. I don't need to be panicking and worrying, trying to go out for a payday loan or something, some sort of way of, of making this work. So we, we act really early. So um, what we need is for you to think carefully right now about what you would like to give. And think about what you could give even today and help us do something really special together this Christmas. Thank you. So just to finish, I just wanted to give you a, a tiny glimpse into some of the impact um, of Christmas kindness um, just by hearing a couple of... Um, couple of feedbacks that we got from people from last year. So one mother wrote to us, I am overwhelmed that there are people out there who care so much. This has been the toughest year, and I had no, how, no idea how I was going to afford anything for my children. You are like my guardian angels. I'm crying tears of joy. And another parent said, no words can express how grateful I am. I'm in floods of tears all the worry and anxiety over Christmas and how I'm going to afford anything has gone thanks to you, special people. Yeah, it's amazing. So, we're going to take some time to respond. Um, Adam's going to come up and explain how we're going to do that together. Amazing, thank you. I'm aware uh, it's a little bit late, so um, we won't go on very much longer. Could the band just come up really quickly? Think... Just to capture, so there's a couple of ways to give. Normally at this point, we would have normally given out an offering basket, but we're aware no one has cash anymore. And also, we obviously don't want to hand things that go between lots of people um, for obvious reasons. And so there's going to come up on the screen a QR code. So here's three ways that you can pray, serve, and give. We'll be talking about these loads of opportunities. What we would really love is for people to give anything that they can today um, just for all the reasons that Eric and Rebecca said so they can start planning. Our hope is that every single referral we can say yes to. In the first few days we got 92 from one person so if people could give as generously as possible that would be amazing. What we're going to do is we're going to sing Joy to the World in October to get you in the festive feeling. 
I know even the band, well, some of them were refusing, but we put our foot down. We said, no, we're doing this. I'm looking at you, Ellis, you Grinch. Um, and so <laughs> what we're going to do, uh, have we got the QR code coming up, Hope? Yeah, could you? Amazing. So if you do that, there's also going to be people with cards down here if you want to hold on to it. That will take you to a giving link that can just, um, you know, and that's obviously the best way for us. So just that QR code. So we're going to hand over to the band. Um, £25 for a pack. We'd love to give as many packs as we possibly can in amongst everything else.